Would you go ahead and stand up with me? I want to pray as we get started tonight. Father, we thank you for the privilege and the opportunity to share with family, to share with our friends that are here tonight. And I'm asking you that you give each one of us eyes that can see, ears that would hear, hearts that are receptive, that we would be people who would receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to change, revolutionize every area of our life. And God, the words that we speak tonight, I pray that they'll be first pure and then peaceable and gentle, easy to be entreated, without partiality, without hypocrisy, and let the fruit of righteousness be sown in each one of our hearts. Give us utterance to speak clearly and accurately and boldly, and we'll give you all the glory and praise and honor. And we ask you all of these things in the magnificent, precious, miraculous, wonderful name above every name, the name of Jesus Christ. And if you agree with that, say amen. amen. We shake hands with two or three people and just say, how you doing tonight? Good to see you in God's house. And you may be seated. I'll tell you, this is... Such an honor for me, as Pastor Mark said, uh, about 15 years ago, we started doing an intern right here, and man, time has flied. I was such a great intern that they've never had one since, is what I've been told. <laughs> I'm just kidding, but it's actually true. They haven't had their... Yeah. But what an honor. I believe with all of my heart that pastors Mark and Brenda are pillars and they are monuments to the Bay Area. They've been serving here for decades. I mean, decades and decades. I mean, it's been, it's been a long time. But what a, what a blessing they are. They're known all over the world for a, for a strong anointing, strong message of faith. And we are truly honored to be with you tonight to share the things that are upon our heart. Would you turn with me tonight to Matthew chapter 8? And I loved to study faith and I loved to study God's word. I heard Kong He say that if you give people faith and hope and love, they'll always want to return. And we may instill tonight faith and hope and love, but. We want to focus a little bit on faith. And I believe with all of my heart that the spirit of the Lord is upon you. And I want to declare to you tonight that the spirit of the Lord is upon each of us. The spirit of the Lord is upon us because he has anointed us to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent us to administer healing to the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recover sight of the blind, to set at liberty to the bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And I believe with all of my heart that the Spirit of the Lord has been raising you up for such a time as this, that for this cause you were manifest, for this cause you were born again, to become a son or a daughter of heaven, that you might go and destroy the works of the devil. I believe that the Spirit of the Lord is upon you and he has anointed you. Uh, to, dis- to, to destroy the works of the devil, that you'd go about doing good, healing all that are oppressed of the devil, because God's with you. You believe that? In fact, I like what David said. He said it like this. My head you'd exalt like the horns of a wild ox and I shall be anointed with fresh oil. And that's what I'm believing for you. And that's what I'm believing for me. Fresh oil, fresh anointing, fresh strength, fresh hope, fresh power, grace, favor. and ability. I'm telling you, it's like days of heaven on earth. When you get under the spout where his presence and glory comes out. You know, God, his presence is 
more significant than your promotion. His presence is more significant than your uh, prosperity. His presence is more significant than even the promises. His presence are, is, is, is so amazing. And I think that we ought to go for God's presence because in his presence there is fullness of joy. And at his right hand there is life, there's treasures forevermore. Do you believe that? So faith is a way of life. In fact, four times, you know, Habakkuk and you know Paul and you know Hebrews chapter 10. Um, the Bible says that the just, it's not a, it's not a prerogative. It's not an, an option. You know, maybe I'll live by faith, maybe I won't. No, that's actually a command voice. The just shall live by, this is, I'm commanding you, you must live by faith. In fact, you can't please him without walking in faith and you know we got to renew our mind in the word of God that we would walk by faith as much as you would brush your teeth and I hope you do that regularly we ought to renew our mind I hope you brush your hair or take a shower um, you, we ought to renew our minds with God's word that we can be sharp in our faith because we have to believe God for things and I'm telling you there are enemies that are against you but we are the just and we walk by faith and not by sight and we like this life it's a good faith fight. And that's what God has called us to. Is that right? But without it, we're not even going to be able to please God. He commanded us and he said we're supposed to do it. The just shall live by faith. So Matthew chapter 8, I want to share with you three things just from this and we'll move on. Um, in Matthew chapter 5, excuse me, did I say 5? I mean chapter 8 and verse 5. Now, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home, sick of the palsy. He's grievously tormented. And Jesus said to him, I'll come and heal him. And the centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but speak the word only and my servant shall be healed for I'm a man under authority and I, and, and I have soldiers under me. And I say to this one, come and he comes, this one go, he goes to another, do this. And he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled at that saying and said, surely I say unto you, I have not found such great faith. No, not in Israel. And I say to you, many will come from the east and west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom but the sons of the kingdom will be cast in outer darkness they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth verse 13 Jesus said to the centurion go your way as you believe so be it done unto you and his servant was healed in that self same hour so there's three things that I want you to take note of and you could write these down and I believe that it'll help you if you do write it down because you can retain it and regurgitate it and meditate it on, on it in the future um, the first thing I want you to see is that we ought to be people that have the heart that would say, speak the word only and it shall be. When we have the heart that would say, speak the word only to me, for, for, for this centurion right here, he was saying, give me a rhema word personally for me right now. Because here's the thing, a rhema word changes molecular structure. A rhema word is so powerful that the molecular structure of water can be turned into wine. The molecular structure of, the, I'm talking about the atoms and the molecules of a little boy's lunch can, can be changed and transformed so that it can feed 
5,000 people with that one little lunch. It can change a molecular structure. A rhema word is so powerful and so significant that when Jesus was walking on the water and they were all afraid, they thought it was a ghost. And Peter says, Lord, if that's you, bid me to come. And Jesus gave one word that had molecular structure to it. It was like Jesus threw out a life, Rav. It was like a, like a, like pretty much a platform right there. Jesus said one word, come. And he could stand right there on that molecular structure. The rhema word. He's standing on that word, come. He's standing on the raft. He's standing on the platform right out there. It'd be easier for heaven and earth to pass away for them, for that rhema word that he gave him at that time to pass away. Can I have an amen? So this guy's saying, give me a word. Give me the rhema word. Speak the word. You don't have to come over. Just speak the word only. And it'll be the molecular structure. When, when, when Jesus speaks the molecular structure, I mean, a withered hand can be like, 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 you know how, like when you, you, um, put your hand inside of one of the hospital gloves or like, you know, in the children's department, sometimes they, they, they blow them up. It, it, a, a rain of word can, can cause a withered hand to pop out and be normal, cause a leg to go right out. A, a, a rhema word is a personal word for, for, a, for a specific time, for a specific place. And he was saying, God, give me that rhema word. And if you'll speak that rhema word in my life, my servant shall be healed. And the second thing that I want you to see right here from this is that it's very important for us to be people under authority. You know, I've got to live my life under authority God's authority, but also we've got to live our lives under, uh, you know, whoever our boss man is or whoever, you know, for me or denomination. And we have to live under the authority of our pastor. But this guy had had great faith. But one of the one of the ingredients that distinguished his great faith was he was a man under authority. We have to be under civil authority, church authority, our boss's authority. We have to walk under authority. We have to be be. Um, comfortable in our skin and comfortable in that place and be people who are under authority. Can I have an amen? amen. Under church authority. Yes. Not where we go to this church and that where I try, try, try this for a minute and I'll go to that one and you know the music wasn't really um, that, you know, didn't really do that much for me. Listen, the music is actually for the Lord and it'll be way better if you'll engage and participate. I guarantee you. And I like to say it like this, you know, there was a show back in the uh, 80s with um, the, the Back to the Future. And uh, there was, a, there was a, a, a guy named Biff and he would come, come to uh, one and he'd say, hello, McFly. Well, you know, when people say things like to me, like, you know, I'm just not getting fed. Well, open the Bible and you'll be fed breakfast, lunch and dinner. Serve in your church. Stop being so immature and don't say things that are so stupid out of your mouth. And the worship didn't do much for me. We didn't do it for you. We didn't put you up here and say, we worship you. We worship you. We're here to worship you. Oh, I feel it. I feel it. I feel so good. The worship did a lot for me today. We didn't come. Hello, McFly. It wasn't for you. Engage and participate. But we ought to be people under authority and... He said, I'm a man under authority. I have soldiers under me. I say, this one go. And he goes, another come. And he comes, another do this. And he does it. And Jesus, I mean, think of Jesus there. He says, guys, he's talking to his students. He's talking to his protégés. He's saying, guys, come here, come here, come here. Come here. Say that again. 
Say it again. You're a man under. Say it again. Tell just like you told me. You're a man under authority. Speak the word on. Say, say it again so these guys can hear. Now, guys, see, now this is. I've been trying to teach you this all along. This guy, I haven't seen this kind of faith in our whole country. I haven't seen this kind of faith in our whole nation. I haven't seen this kind of faith in all of Israel. This is the great faith that I want you to walk by. And he commands us four times. You're commanded to walk in this kind of faith. And I believe you can do it. Because if God would be unjust if he said, you must walk by faith. And then he didn't give us the tools to walk by faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. We have a personal positive expectation that something's changing in my marriage, in my body, in my family, in my family. Something's moving by his spirit, by his grace, by his word. Something is glorious. His sound of many waters in my spirit and soul and body. I'm telling you, he can, he can, he can. He can change your genes. Spiritual genes first. Obviously, when, when, when in Titus 3, 5, it says, it's not by works of righteousness we would have done, but, but by, by the washing and regeneration, regening, regene, gene, get new genes. I mean, I used to like to do this, but now I got new genes and, I, and I, now I enjoy that. I used to take pleasure in sin, but now I got new genes and I take pleasure in righteousness and holiness and morality and integrity and character and hanging out and playing soccer with my son. And, and what I, what I, God changes your genes and now we can walk by faith and not by sight. We lived in the flesh and our own understanding, but now we're walking by faith and not by sight. But now there's another thing here that I found absolutely remarkable and fascinating that we didn't get to. And it's actually right here in verse number eight. It says, the centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. Lord. I'm not worried. That's actually part of this great faith. It's amazing. He didn't take it out of here. In fact, when you look in the other passages, he didn't take it out there either. In fact, in Luke chapter seven, right there, the Pharisees came to Jesus and said, Jesus, you have to do it because this guy's worthy. He built us a temple and it was a political move. They said, Lord, you must do that. They tried to use their human strategies of putting political pressure on Jesus because they did that with all of their colleagues They put political pressure and they said, he's worthy. So you must do this thing for him. But the guy didn't come to Jesus and say, I am so good. I am all of that. And a bag of chips. I mean, I have my act together. In fact, I really don't even need you, Jesus. But if you could do this, if you do this, that'd be great. But if not, just forget it. I'll go back to my own ways. That wasn't the heart that he had. You know, the Bible says, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of God. When it talks about poor in spirit, it's not talking about poor in money. It's talking about a heart that is broken towards the things of God. And then a heart that is broken, it's not one that is um, like, like, like broken from, from bad things. But it's like, think of, think of it like this. Think of a horse that is broken. A horse that is broken does not have a broken leg. A horse that is broken does not have a broken eye. The horse that is broken does not have a broken back or a broken hip. A horse that is broken is one that is pliable and one that is able to obey. 
That's what it's talking about when it's talking about the poor in spirit. It's having a heart that is broken towards him. And he says, that broken and contrite heart, I will in no wise cast out. And we see that in this guy right here. He comes poor in spirit, broken in his heart, saying, Lord, just speak the word only. You don't even have to come over to my house. Just give me the rhema word. I'm not even worthy. You should come over to my house. Speak the word only and my servant shall be. And I'm under authority. Now, I had a friend of mine. He said to me, because I was praying according to Colossians. In fact, let's turn to Colossians real quick. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, I want you to see this prayer that Paul prayed. And I was praying this prayer. And a friend of mine, he said to me, he's a fellow minister, he said, you shouldn't pray that prayer. It's all unbelief. But I want you to see this prayer, because I don't think he knew this prayer. But in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 9, here's what it says. For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. In other words, I'm praying this for you all the time. I pray this for you when I think about it. I pray this for you when I wake up. I pray this for you in the middle of the night. I pray this for you before I go to bed. I'm praying this for you constantly. And I'm, I, and I'm asking that you'd be filled with the knowledge of his will. In all wisdom and spiritual understanding, God wants us to walk with a heart that is pliable, a heart that is able to yield to when he says, go, that we would go. Move, we would move. Do this, and we would do it. And notice verse, in, in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, verse 10, that you would walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power, unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness. So I'm praying this prayer and my friend says, you shouldn't pray that prayer. It's not a good confession, but it's in the Bible. And Paul said, I've been praying that for you again. In fact, I'm not even ceasing to pray. I pray this for you all the time that you'd walk worthy of the Lord and do all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work. So now I want, I want you to notice another verse that has to do with not poor financially, not broke physical in your body, but a heart that is pliable, a heart that is, is um, broken towards the things of God. I want you to look at 2 Thessalonians 11. 2 Thessalonians 1.11. I want you to see he's praying this again and again in verse 5, which is 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5, which is manifest evidence of the righteous judgment of God. Notice this. I'm praying this. That you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God. For which you also suffer. Now look in verse, verse 11. This is a prayer. Paul's saying, I'm praying this again. Always for you. Verse 11. Therefore, we also pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling. Because when we walk worthy of this calling, we're able to fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power. And notice verse 12. When we walk worthy of the Lord, when we walk with the heart that is obedient and pliable and able to yield to whatever he says, do we do. Whatever he says, wherever he says, go, we go. If he says, do this, we'll, we'll do it. That the name of the Lord Jesus Christ be glorified in you and you and him, even as he is in others, according to the grace of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So we see from the scripture from the, um, the centurion. He comes to Jesus and he says, Lord, I'm not worthy. I'm actually not worthy that you should come under my roof. But if you'll give me that rhema word, I know things are going to change. Things will improve. Give me that rhema word and I'm going to be okay. Give me that voice of many water and things will be okay. Actually, the, the rhema word from heaven is the spirit of Elijah. The rhema word from heaven 
is the voice of Jesus Christ in the earth today. And um, we see it in the life of the Apostle Paul. In fact, you can even see it in the life of, of John the Baptist. In fact, I want you to see something. Go with me real quickly to Matthew chapter 2. No, chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3. You know, he's coming again. And we should be preparing for the return of the bride. As, excuse me, the return of the bridegroom as the bride. We should be preparing. But notice in Matthew 3. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm, notice what he said, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. Now, it's not that I'm saying I'm not good to pray. It's not, I'm not good to talk to God. It's not saying that. But what it's saying is, really, I'm completely not dependent on myself. I'm completely dependent on him. And he's saying, I'm not worthy. To carry. He'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And his fan is in his hand. And he'll thoroughly clean the threshing floor. He'll gather wheat into the barns. And burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Here's the thing. If we're preparing the way of the Lord. The voice of one crying in the wilderness. If we're saying he's coming again. The Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. Can actually manifest in a great way in our, in our life. And when he comes in. He's still the same today. When he comes in our churches. He has a fan in his hand. He thoroughly purges the threshing floor. He gathers wheat into the barns. He burns up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Why? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Is he or is he not? He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. For, so he carries a fan in his hand. And he thoroughly purges the threshing floor. And he gathers wheat into the barn. And he burns up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Can I have an amen? But John right here, he's saying, really, I'm not worthy to untie his shoes. Now, now we have a right. We have an access. We, we have, we have, in him, we have boldness. And access with confidence by the faith of him. But then there's the other side. When you get in the place of prayer. I'm not talking about the prayer. You just run in. You know, let me pull out a little, little promise for the day. You know, I'm drinking my coffee and I pull out a little promise. And I got to run to work because I got to go. Pull out a promise. Oh, yep, did my thing. Twinkle, twinkle, little star. Amen. God, got to go. Wish I could be with you, God, but don't got time for it. And then we, we run out. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about, have you ever been in his presence where it is so awesome that like Moses said, so exceedingly great that I trembled in his presence. His presence is so magnificent that when we come into his presence, we can't say, God, you know, I'm so good. I'm so great. In fact, you know, I I just want you to know that that I'm so worthy. No, when, when you're in his presence in such a such an awesome thickness. It's not that you're making negative confessions about yourself, but you're just in awe of how great he is. And you say, God, you are worthy. God, you are worthy. You are magnificent. You are marvelous. How great are you? And you are greatly to be praised. And I'm struck with wonder at how magnificent you are. When his presence is, is manifesting in your life, you would say, Lord, I'm not even worthy to untie your shoes. I'm not even worthy to take off your boots. I'm not even worried to, worthy to, to deal with the buckles on your sandals. And here we see this guy right here where one of the ingredients is speak the word only. Another ingredient is this. This guy is saying is I'm under authority. But another ingredient that he has is I'm not worthy that you should even come under my roof. It, we want him to come under. You know, he, he wants to come into our roof. But 
the heart that is pliable and submissive and hungry for the presence of God. More hungry for the presence of God than promotion. More hungry for the presence of God than prosperity. More hungry for the presence of God than fame and, and, and accolades and the, the praises of men. We're hungry for his presence. So go to Mark real quickly. Go to Mark real quickly. And I want you to see Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, verse 7. Here we see John the Baptist. He's got a sermon. The title of my service today, title of my sermon today is, I'm not worthy. <laughs> Notice verse 7. And he preached, saying. So here he's not just saying answers. Here he's preaching a sermon. There comes one after me who is mightier than me, whose sandal straps I'm not worthy to stoop down and loose. I'm made baptized with water, but he'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now go to Luke. Go to Luke. Chapter 3, verse 16, maybe. Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3 and verse 16. John answered, saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to loose. He'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His fan is the hand will thoroughly clean the flesh and pour floor, gather wheat in the barns and burn up the chapel and quenchable fire. Now go to John. I want you to see what John says. John, I think it's chapter 1. John chapter 1 and verse 20. Now let's look, look, look at verse 19. John chapter 1. Now this is the testimony of John. He's given a testimony. In fact, my testimony is I'm not worthy. He's much greater than I. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. And my testimony for you today is prepare the way of the Lord. He's coming again. He's coming again. And when we get to heaven, we got to know how to act. I'm going to show you a secret ingredient in just a moment. Look at verse 20. He confessed. Oh, we like making positive confessions. I make confessions every day. I think there's, I think 365 every day. I'm making confessions of my faith. I'm walking by faith. But here's John's confession. He confessed. I'm not the Christ. He confessed. Now go down to verse 23. He said, I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. As the prophet Isaiah said, I don't know if you ever heard of John Alexander Dowie. But the first thing that he started saying was, I'm worthy. Got off. I'm worthy. I want everybody here to know, I'm so worthy. Do you know that there's not a scripture in the entire Bible that tells you that you're worthy? I know you are. You are righteous, multiple scriptures, but there's not a scripture that says you're worthy. In fact, when the, when the, the prodigal son returned, one of the ingredients, that brokenness of, I'm in desperate need of my father, humbling himself, he said, Lord, I'm not even worthy to come back to your house, but if you'll just make me as one of your hired servants. That brokenness and that humility, that is absence of arrogance and absence of pride, call him and say, guys, get the fatted calf, get him the robe, get him the ring, get him the shoes, let's have a party, let's have it, dancing and music. It's, it's time, my son, he's had a change of heart. He's now humble. He's now pliable. He's ready to serve. He's ready to be part of the family. Let him be restored unto all things. But here, notice verse uh, 24. Now those who were sent from, from him were the Pharisees. And they asked him, saying, Why do you baptize? Are you the Christ? Or, or nor, excuse me, if you're not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet. Verse 26. John answered, saying to them, I baptize with water. But there stands one mighty among you, whom you do not know. It is he who comes after me, 
is preferred before me, whose sandal, look at John says, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. This is the spirit of he's coming again. This is the spirit of Jesus Christ returning for his church. Now go to Acts 13. Acts 13. Acts 13. Here we see Paul preaching in Antioch. Acts 13, Paul preaching at Antioch in verse 25. Here he is preaching a sermon about John. But he doesn't leave out this ingredient. The ingredient that the centurion came to Jesus with. One ingredient was, speak the word only, give me that rhema word. The other ingredient is, I'm living under authority. The other ingredient is, Lord, you are so much better than I am. And notice what he says in verse 25. And John... Here's here's Paul preaching. And as John was finishing his course, he said, who do you think I am? I am not he, but behold, there comes one after me, the sandals of whose feet I am not worthy to loose. Now, here's Paul preaching the same thing to Gentiles in Antioch, and he's infusing and he's communicating and he's invoking and injecting the spirit of Jesus Christ and the presence of the Holy Spirit is we are in need of the Savior and he was on that cross he was buried and he rose again and right now he sits on the right hand of the throne of the Father and we are in need of him but we need to have hearts that are receptive we need to have hearts that are that are broken and, and hearts that are poor in spirit not poor financially poor in spirit not with bro- broken legs but poor in spirit meaning that we're pliable we're submissive. We're humble in his presence. Now, I want to close with this passage in Revelation. Go with me to Revelation chapter 5. I want you to be prepared. I want you to know how to act when you go to heaven. It's important that you know how to act when you get there. Revelation chapter 5 and verse 1. Here's John preaching. Or writing, excuse me. Chapter 5, verse 1. And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back sealed with seven seals. Then I saw a strong angel. Not a weak angel, but a very strong angel. And he's proclaiming with not a whisper. He's not, not just a voice, but with a, I believe it's a thundering loud voice. He's proclaiming with a loud voice. Who's worthy? Who is worthy to open the scrolls? Who is worthy to loosen the seals? And no one, John said, in heaven. And no one on the earth. And no one under the earth was able to open the scroll. Or even to look at the scroll. In other words, dun da da da! Hear ye, hear ye, hear ye! Let all of heaven know. Let all of earth know. Let all those under the earth know. Who is worthy to open the book? Who is worthy to open the seal? Who, listen, here's what he says. No one's worthy to open it. No one's worthy to read it. You aren't even worthy to look at it. Watch this, watch this. Verse 3, no one in heaven, no one in earth, no one under the earth was able to open the scroll or even to look at it. Verse 4, so I wept much because no one was found worthy. Now look, in heaven, you got Abraham, you got Isaac, you got Jacob, you got Daniel, you got David, you got Moses, you got, you got all the saints of old. And he's saying right here, none of them 
None of them are worthy to open it. So I wept because no one was found worthy to open or to read the scroll or look at it. But one of the elders said to me, don't weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. And I looked and behold, in the midst of the throne, the four and living creatures. Basically, what, ha- what we see here is that Jesus Christ comes out. Now, heaven has a Sanhedrin. There's four and 20 elders. 24 elders, a Sanhedrin in heaven, um, in the jury box, if you will. And in the jury box, we've got four and 20 elders. And I can only imagine, I can only suppose in the jury box, we see David, we see Daniel, we see Moses, we see Noah, we see Abraham. And then they're in the jury box and the angel comes out and said, no one's worthy in heaven. No one's worthy in earth. No one's worthy under there. No one here is worthy. Who is worthy? Are you worthy? Are you worthy? And everyone, they even get out of the jury box. David gets out of the jury box. Daniel gets out of the jury box. Abraham gets the word that we're not worthy. They take off their crown and and they present it and they say, you are worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy. I want you to see real quickly. One last, one last portion from Revelations. One last portion from Revelation. We're walking by faith and not by sight. And this is an ingredient that I think that some on the um, you know, brink of just being popular in ministry and just being rich in ministry. I think sometimes we come across with a, with an arrogance and a pride and, and, and it's not the, 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 the brokenness and the poor in spirit that we see from those of old. And look in, look in verse nine, five, nine. And they sing a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. You were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood. Out of every tribe and tongue and nation, people, you've made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. In verse 12, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb. Worthy is the lamb. Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Verse 13, blessing and honor and glory and power be him who sits on the throne to the lamb forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. So when you get to heaven and when that angel comes out, now you know what to do. Now you know your position. Your position is take your crown off and say, you are worthy, Lord, to receive all the honor, to receive all the glory, to receive all the strength. He is worthy. It's his blood. It's his life. It's his death. It's his burial. It's resurrection. In his presence, we are not even worthy to look at the books. We're not even worthy to open the books or to read the books. In fact, I would declare to you today, we're not even worthy to untie his shoes. But we are righteous so we can come into his presence boldly to receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Are you with me? So we see from the centurion three things that he he came to the Lord. But I'm not worthy. You should come onto my roof. Number one. Number two, speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. Number three, he's a man under authority. And Jesus said, guys, this is great stuff. This guy's hard attitude. That's what I want you to do. And that's what I want you to see. I want you to learn this. I want you to get this. I want you to live this kind of faith. We're the, we're the just, just as if we've never sinned. But at the same time, when we come into his presence and, and we're, we have access to his presence, but at the same time, we come before his presence and say, worthy is the lamb. Worthy is the lamb. Worthy is the lamb. You know, come on. We've, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Worthy is the lamb who was slain from the foundation of the earth. Did you get anything out of this tonight?